for Monday, June 26, 2023. Coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee, and that's here at the Iconic Wall Center downtown Vancouver. If you're out by the airport, we suggest the apron at the Western Wall Center YVR. Eat locally fresh. Eat well. Matt Sikaris alongside Blake Price, Grace Sass, hitting switches, conducting things. And before we get into the Bodog poll question today, and forgive me, I wasn't here Friday. Jeff was setting in, uh, sitting in for me, but a huge welcome and thank you to the Applewood Auto Group, A.J. Brent, Perry, and the whole team over there. They've joined up with Sakaris and Price. We've talked about support local, buy local, Applewood local. And thank you very much for supporting local here on Sakaris and Price and just in time for NHL Draft Week. And, of course, what we anticipate will be a busy offseason for the Vancouver Canucks. Looking forward to working together alongside Applewood because, you know, Blake, it's all good. It's all good at, at Applewood. Apple, we're all good too. Tags of all time. It's all good at Applewood. <laughs> Thank Apple. you. Yeah. Well done, Grady, on the jingle. And just beyond Applewood, which will be our presenting title sponsor going forward, it's a busy and different week for us here on Sick Harrison Price. So let's just update regular listeners on what we've got coming up for the week because. This is the first time we've encountered a Wednesday-Thursday National Hockey yeah, League entry so draft. Normally, of course, a Friday-Saturday. So Wednesday and Thursday's podcasts are going to be released a little bit later because, of course, we got to wait for the Vancouver Canucks to make their first-round selection, 11th overall. At least that's where it stands right now on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, we will begin recording the show after the final Vancouver Canucks Selection. So we anticipate, we, we know for sure Wednesdays will be out later. Lesser delay, but Thursdays will be a little later as well. And then Saturday, Canada Day, brings us NHL free agency, the start thereof. And we will have a special Saturday edition of Sakarison Price looking at the first day, which is usually the busiest day of NHL free agency 2023. Let's get to today's Bodog poll question. There are lots of big names available on the NHL trade market. Do you want the Vancouver Canucks to acquire one? Yes or no? You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. And Bodog, line of the day from me, Matvey Minchkov, the huge wild card in Wednesday's draft. Bodog now has odds on where he may go. I'm still of the belief that he's not going to get out of the top five because I think both San Jose and Montreal have managers there with enough patience. And let's face it, Montreal has always loved that offensively gifted player. So, Mitchkoff to San Jose, number four, pays plus 325. Mitchkoff to Montreal, number five, pays plus 250. Heck, you can bet them both and still wind up bad yeah on your bodoc line of the day love draft time oh, so do i it, it, you know what this might end up being a nice i mean the nhl is going to have empirical evidence now you know, both kinds of drafts weekend draft or midweek draft it'll be interesting to see the buzz difference now it's a good draft with a with a lot of 
players of buzz, a generational player at the top, so maybe it's not a fair comparison to a whole hum draft of years gone by. But this has the potential to uh, to pop a little bit for the National Hockey League this week with all hands on deck. We know the media business has been decimated. Weekend media is not the same as midweek media. Um, fair. The NBA has cleared the decks here. The NBA is usually the a day or two after the NBA. In this case, the way it fell. More separation. You're right. Um, so we'll see. I hope it hits well for the National yeah. Hockey League and they see uh, a future in this. As for the poll question, I, I voted yes. Sure. Why not? You've created the cap space. You've talked about making the playoffs. So go ahead, improve the team. Go out on that trade market and get yourself a big name. I mean, I don't know how big. Define big name as you see fit, everybody. But whether it's a Samuel Gerrard in Colorado or Brett Pesci from Carolina, Scott Lawton in Philadelphia, maybe one of the Boston defensemen, Carlo Forbert, Grizzlick, I voted yes because, hey, Clearly, the Vancouver Canucks are shy of being a playoff team. So you need to make improvements. You've bought out OEL because of that to create the cap space. So go on out and use it effectively on the trade market. And look, as we've seen here with this Boston-Chicago deal, Blake, there are good players available for almost no cost as teams look to shed salary. Yeah. Taylor Hall has effectively been given away here from the by the Boston Bruins to the Chicago Blackhawks alongside the rights to Nick Foligno, and you have to think Chicago now believes that they'll re-sign Foligno, a character player with some toughness likely to insulate Connor Bedard a little bit. And the cost is to depth defense. Maybe Mitchell and uh, Alec Regula are, have both played NHL games over the last three years. None of them have really turned into bona fide NHL regulars. I su- suppose they'll serve as depth for Boston who may still clear out a defenseman or two yeah, for sure. from their cap. But it's a way for and you get a player to play with Connor Bedard, who knows what it's like to go first overall and have all that pressure. It's on the Boston Bruins. If you want to sign these RFAs, you sign them. If not, you walk away. It's it's in their corner. They have the power. They got the space they needed with little cost to them. Like I, I, Again, as we look at these Vancouver Canucks, who want to clear space by trading away a winger, we keep on thinking that they need to attach – Pretty decent draft picks to maybe clear. This is a 36 point over six. Like it's a half point per game player at this point in Taylor Hall, which is what all the Canuck wingers are. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to pay the rights to a UFA no. Nick Felino. Are you kidding me? That's not price. I mean, I, I'd say spot on, except for, you know, the I don't think the Canucks just want to give away a winger. Oh, I think they would if they could. Do if you think they just yes. give Besser away? Um, Garland. You think they just give Garland away? Yeah, I, 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 the answer is yes. Okay. If they could do this deal and just get $6 million in cap space for Rock Bester, yeah, I think they would do that. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. They still think there's an asset there that well, deserves... I mean, he's not... Boy, I almost feel like I'm making your argument. You used to make this a lot towards the end of the season. It's not that he's a bad player. It's just a bad contract. Yeah, well, it's the same thing. If you could just do an I Dream a Genie blink and, and make Brock Bester's contract four... Yeah, by all means, I'm I'm Volmano, but you can't. Does Taylor Hall reputationally move the needle for teams more than Besser or Garland? I think probably. Yeah, an MVP guy. I mean, yeah, 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 you have so. to. Um, and I, so you know, obviously, if you're acquiring him, you're sort of daring to dream that he can recapture form, which is a little higher up the well, it's food a, chain than it's a certified pedigreed player to play alongside Connor Bedard. Mm-hmm. 
And I think they're I think they're not done. I think they're going to get one more. Mm-hmm. Friday's poll question, Bodog poll question. Do you want the Canucks to continue with theme nights even if the players don't wear jerseys and warm-ups? 1,900 votes here. Yes or no? What do the people say? Uh, people said yes. Indeed. Uh, how high? 68. 74. Nick, wear them anyway. Take the fine. Donate the same amount to whatever community you're supporting that night. Just because the NHL doesn't believe hockey is for everyone doesn't mean the team can. Can you imagine? Saw a lot of that. What? Yeah, that would be amazing. There's no chance that happens, but mm-hmm. that would be amazing. MB, players can wear them during practices or photo shoots. Not the same, but at least it's something. Hope they continue to make the jerseys. I saw Jeff talking about that a little bit as well. Yeah. All right, so don't wear them for warm-ups. Wear them for practice that week. Yeah. And agreed with your Price is Right editorial on Friday, incidentally. A Dave shame for the National Hockey League uh, on Thursday upon that announcement. Well, the offseason skids were greased this weekend. We saw a bunch of moves. Port Moody's Ryan Johansson is off to the Colorado Avalanche, hopefully to win a Stanley Cup, fill one of their center voids. And don't believe they'll re-sign J2 Comfer at this point. At least that's all the intel. It's another player that basically, you know, Nashville gives away here, right? Nashville is looking to rebuild or at the very least recast or retool their team under new general manager. Still hard to say, new general so manager. Very you are coach. Uh, and, of course, it comes with eating a big portion of Johansson's salary going forward, $4 million, as a matter of fact, um, to get him off the books. They get Alex Galchenyuk in return, but I'm not sure there's much there there anymore with a one-time high draft pick. Sean Dursey, a good young right-shot defenseman from L.A., goes to Arizona for a second-round pick in 2024. I think a lot of people sort of well puzzled by that one because, A, they thought L.A. would use that sort of young right-handed draft, a right-handed defense capital to improve the right now as opposed to adding a pick in later years. Also, you know, there I read a bunch of, boy, that's all they can get for Dursey, a you know, 24-year-old right-shot defenseman with some offense. Pretty shocking to me. Yeah. Um, and we don't suspect that L.A. is done because all the intel right now is pointing to them trading for Winnipeg centerman Pierre-Luc Dubois, who may not get his ultimate wish of playing in his home province with the Montreal Canadiens, but heading to L.A. where Gabe Velarde, Alex Iafallo, would return to Winnipeg, although nothing is set there. And Dubois apparently also talking contract with the Kings. He is an RFA, and he is, of course, going to cash in here if this is whether this is a bridge or a long-term deal. But if you look at the Kings, Blake, a lot of people saying, okay, now they're going to keep Brant Clark but they have depleted a lot of that right defense depth that they had, enviable depth over the last two years. After the trade last year of Brock Faber to Minnesota for Kevin Fiala, they moved Walker, the right shot defenseman, in the move to clear the cap space uh, to Philly to to clear the cap space for Gavrikov. Uh, and now Dursey, which uh, really commits them to Brant Clark and Jordan Spence as two young guys going forward to go with Drew Doughty, who, of course, is their NHL right-shot defenseman. Uh, so is Matt Matt, yeah. uh, Matt Roy. And Brian Clark's ready. You know, oh, that, yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. It'll be fun to watch. And then uh, 
couple of scuttle deals on the week. Tony D'Angelo can't get back to Carolina, and it sounds like Tory Krug's enforcing his no-trade clause to stay in St. Louis and not be part of a bigger deal in Philly that involves Kevin Hayes. Well, the Tony D'Angelo CBA staff, who uh, is a calendar year thing, he was traded July 8th. So the deal could happen. It just might wait till July 9th, uh, yes. 2023. It's a... Um, Seldom seen or heard clause in the CBA with regards to trading a player and retaining money. Yeah, so they want to retain money. They're going to take D'Angelo back. Well, Philly would retain money this time. Yes, they're going to take D'Angelo back, but at half freight, and you can't make that kind of trade after you've traded that player away less than a year ago. While retaining money. Yes. Yes. So (laughs) if they they took back the whole freight of D'Angelo, they could trade him right now. Right. But that's not the plan. Mm-hmm. So Wednesday's draft, or at least the first round, Thursday rounds two through seven, and then we anticipate a whole ton of activity. And uh, oh, by the by, Blake, the uh, the awards are tonight. Wow, I didn't know that. Till you told me we used to care a lot. About- <laughs> Honestly, I didn't even register. I thought they were. Wow. Of course, we always care when there's a Vancouver Canuck up for an award. Yeah, yeah, we talk about it. Yeah, yeah. well, and. I, I can remember being at a watch party when when Henrik Sedin won his heart. Yeah. Like I was on Granville at a watch party. Like that's how stoked we were to talk about those big ticket NHL awards, right? The, the MVPs and the scoring titles. The thing I'm curious about post awards is just the voting. Like where do the Canucks line up? Like how far off being nominated was Mm. Quinn Hughes. Right. Because they do give us now the full voting, right? right. So we're going to know tonight, mm-hmm. you know, was Hughes just off the podium, if you will? Yeah. Pedersen for the Selkie, maybe. Um, and, yeah. I, and I would advise Canucks fans to be prepared to be disappointed. I don't know. Because I think oftentimes when the team is so desperately as the, out of the playoffs as Vancouver you cling to this. was, yeah. that there weren't a lot of voters paying attention to the Canucks nor giving the Canucks much credit. I bet both guys are in the top five. I bet both Hughes and Pedersen are top five vote getters in both. For years. Norris and Hart? Yes. No, no. Norris and Selkie. Oh, Selkie. Okay. Yep. Selkie, Pedersen, I could see it. You don't think Quinn Hughes is top five for Norris? No. Top seven? I think top ten. Top ten? Oh, well, he's definitely top seven. I put the mortgage on top really? seven. Really? Yeah. You put the mortgage on it, Blake. On uh, top seven, yeah. Top five, I think it's 50-50. Yeah, I, I I would not be surprised if he's top five, but I also wouldn't be at all surprised if it's just somewhere in the top ten. Jason Hominick is calling me. He's saying, don't put... The, yeah, exactly. How dare <laughs> you? How dare you? Uh, so the week ahead, we can't wait here. Um, very, very exciting. Time. I mean, we wait a long time between April and June in this market for happenings with the Vancouver Canucks and trying to improve the club just for next year. Just before we jump off the topic here, do you Mm -hmm. think this Taylor Hall deal changes kind of the landscape of the Canucks with a a Besser and Garland deal? Because very similar term and money on the Hall deal left. I mean, as we just talked about, Boston was willing to just give the player away. I don't know if the Canucks are willing to give their players away. I certainly don't think they're willing to give Besser away. They may get to a world where they want to give Garland away, but of course the pressure is alleviated here, guys, with the OEL buyout. So do you want more cap space? Of course you do. 
Or but, do they just not have to give up sweeteners or but they, you know, retain as much here? But the cap space um, allows you to breathe, allows you to be compliant, but it, it really only allows one quality player to be brought in. Mm, I think two. And you're still... It's a role player. It's a quality s- player, and it's a role player. You're still bloated That's on the it. wing. You and still, you're still yeah. bloated on the wing. Oh, if you want to talk about making a hockey trade moving a winger out, then absolutely, I think that should and, and could and should interest them. But if we're talking about a cap dump, that's a different matter. I, Remember, I, they want to make the playoffs next year. Yeah. Garland gets them further ahead than a replacement level player. I agree on Garland. I, I think I think Besser. I think Besser you'd 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 take another six million and, and try your luck elsewhere. Okay, but that's on the trade market, I would suspect, right? Yeah. Or, I mean, unless you look at this free agent class and, and, and think there's worthwhile investment on two or three different guys. Because I suspect they're going to add a, a free agent, either a defenseman or a third-line center. So if you're shipping out all of Besser's money, it probably means that you're targeting another guy in a trade. And then, of course, the other thing, gents, is – they don't have a ten ton of assets to spend in a trade, too. I mean, we're asking the poll question today, but it is a little bit la-di-da because, okay, what are you giving up? Particularly if you want to go bigger name hunting on one of these defensemen. There's a lot of them available. Well, yeah, what is there to give up, though? You know, very mm-hmm. slim cupboard of prospects. I mean, if you're making a deal whereby you're acquiring a salaried and or termed player for virtually nothing because the other team wants to get out of the contract, so be it. But, like, there were reports that Philly was turning down first-round picks for Scott Lawton. So if you're in on Lawton, you think, oh, he could be a great center for us, third-line center for us, and I don't dispute that he could be a helpful player. You're going to have to give up something of note. Blake, I do wonder whether future first round picks would be available. You have here to be careful with those. Bank. You have to be careful with those reports, though, right? Like, oh yeah, some of that is planted. Sometimes, oh, there's a lot yeah. of planting and smoke. It's yeah. lying season. It is. BC Lions are headed towards a second straight showdown game a week from today. Canada Day long weekend. The Monday becomes the statutory holiday. The Leos are in Toronto. They're three and zero atop the West. Uh, I trust you and Jeff talked about it on Friday. I saw our friend Wally Bono said the most dominant win in the last yeah. 10 years for the Leos. It's another undefeated class here. BC 3-0 and atop the West. Argos 2-0 and atop the East, tied with Montreal. One of these things is not like the other. Well, we'll see. I mean, Argos have beaten Hamilton and Edmonton. BC has beaten Calgary, Edmonton, and Winnipeg. Two on the road. I mean, it's two road victories. Yeah. Really tough place. It could be a changing of the guard afoot here. West good run through YVR. We can only hope. How about Vancouver Whitecaps FC? And and Blake and I were away this weekend in Kelowna. We were able to catch the game and uh, shout out everyone at Joey's who put the game on for us. Uh, We're sitting there watching it going, oh, wow. They've started like a house on fire. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was, Wednesday canceled game or postponed game has done them wonders. We we wondered if it would just be it's rest versus rest, right? It was a lot of rust. No, it was no, rest. It was rest. And uh, I we wondered. I mean, the two goal leads were never safe in our mind. It was mm-hmm. two nothing and three one. We're like this. Still, it's LAFC. 
The crowd was ferocious against them. Um, First road win of the year, first ever win at LAFC, and Ryan Gold with a goal and two assists to make the MLS Team of the Week. With no Julian Gressel available. So he put the team on his shoulders and said, this way. And mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of exhilarating to watch. Oh, I mean, it, was. It, was, it was terrific entertainment. As we've said all year about the Caps, they're actually fun this year. They're a lot of fun. They play up and down offensive games with all sorts of chances. And the odd defensive foible. Yeah. Branko Veselinovic. I mean, honestly, he's been... He giveth, he taketh He was away. my MVP for the team last year. And mm-hmm. then, whoops, let that one get through you. Of course, he scored. But he also got one, yeah. yeah. So he was an even. His plus minus was So even. the Caps ninth in the MLS West. But because of that postponed game, they have games in hand on just about everyone around them. The only team that is on the same number of games as them um, looking upwards. It's Mm -hmm. LAFC looking downwards. It's still Minnesota, uh, who at 21 points is not out of this, I would say. But they've got two games in hand on a lot of teams. Yes, yes, they do. And the other thing is, is Galaxy and Colorado look wretched. Like You almost wonder whether two teams have already been eliminated here. Yeah. In the MLS West, the two bottom feeding clubs. And so then... Fewer teams vying for the available postseason spots. The Vancouver Canadians are back at home this week, everybody. Allen Roden, four hits and runs for the Seas last night in Eugene, but they fall five Canadians hitters this year with four hit games, which is terrific. We've talked about how great their pitching's been, but the bats have stepped up as well. They're home tomorrow through Sunday against Spokane. Folks, this is the last of the Saturday 1 p.m. starts. They have been doing Saturday matinees early in the season. This is the last of the 1 p.m. starts. All the Saturday games moving forward Warm enough now. are at 7 yeah. p.m. And as we always tell you, when you get to this part of the year, the weather gets nicer, the kids are out of school, seize tickets get harder and harder to get your hands on. So get them now while you can plan ahead for the Vancouver Canadians. Time now for the Golf Report, brought to you by... The Arnold Palmer designed Whistler Golf Club. And Blake, we've been talking so much about the buddy trips and the corporate outings, all the other great amenities at the Whistler Golf Club and in Whistler. First of all, home to the Nike Pro Shop featuring exclusive footwear and apparel worn by Tiger, Rory, Brooks, Scotty, Nelly, and more. There's Palmer's Gallery Bar and Grill featuring one of Whistler's top 10 patios. For information to book tee times, whistlergolf.com. And of course, you have a buddy or client group. Of 12 or more, you, the organizer, plays for free. Keegan Bradley wins at the Travelers, kind of an all-New England affair. He's, of course, a Boston-area kid winning in Connecticut. And he immediately noted this puts him back into the U.S. Ryder Cup mix. Keegan Bradley became one of those Ryder Cup stars one of those Ryder Cup attractions because of all the emotion that came God, out he's of him a feeler. He in is 2012 a feeler. and 2014. He's basically, he's kind of like the Ian Poulter for the United States, like that fiery competitor who ups his level when he's playing for a bigger constituency. He's 37 years old now, and he figures, look, there's probably not a whole lot of these opportunities left. Left, Blake. He played two Ryder Cups in 2012 and 2014, so he's been away for nine years from the U.S. team. Now, no guarantees now, because here's what the U.S. is looking at Ryder Cup-wise. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, 
none of them have actually qualified. They would have to be captain selections. As, so, as it stands now. As it stands now. Yeah. So coming down the stretch here of the PGA Tour season, of course, the one major left, the Open Championship, and the PGA Tour FedEx, FedEx Cup playoffs, how many of those, what you think would be stalwarts of the American team, are going to get themselves into an automatically qualified spot? How difficult are the captain selections going to be for Zach Johnson? And does a player who's playing well and just miss out, like a Keegan Bradley, get considered, or does he just get bumped by bigger names who have played better over? Uh, well, Justin Thomas, people have been doing sort of a forensic audit of him lately, and uh, he finally played well this past weekend. Um, so Had not I, been good. Huh? No, he's not been good. So, but he put up some good numbers this week, particularly on Sunday. I wonder if we see a, a late push here from Justin Thomas and. And he finds a way to get in. Um, what he needs is a, uh, a bit of a run like Scotty Scheffler, who is uh, he's in a slump. He's gone two months without a win after that torrid start for Scotty mm-hmm. Scheffler. Uh, but in the last six starts for Scotty Scheffler, <laughs> T5, T2, T3, third, third, T4. And that T3 at Memorial was as the worst putter in the field. He earned in the last... Two months, six million dollars oh without, without a win. Oh, to be a golfer. Two other things on Bradley at the Ryder Cup. He once told David Faraday that when they lost in 2012, you'll remember that was the miracle at Medina with the Europeans coming back on him. He got home. He threw his Ryder Cup bag in a spare room and did not touch it, look at it, unpack it, just was not emotionally ready. To unpack from that Ryder Cup. Not even the socks and underwear. I Usually know, that, that number, those oh, levels get low like, oh. and you're like, where's the yeah, socks and underwear? Well, I mean, you just noted he made, one of them made six million over the last, <laughs> they just go out and buy more socks and huh, underwear. Yeah. The other thing, he tells a great story because he was pretty nervy on the first tee of his first Ryder Cup and he's playing with Mickelson and Mickelson recognized he was nervy, but true to brand, Mickelson walked up to him and said, Keegan, I don't want eight iron into the screen. I don't want nine iron. I want wedge. Okay, son? So you're going to hit a bomb out there, and then I'm going to hit wedge. (laughs) And Bradley said, like, it was so jarring. It was so Mickelson, and it was so sort of ridiculous that it took some of the heat off. He was like, okay, I can enjoy this now because I've cracked a smile with Phil approaching me and demanding that I hit it out there far enough that he only has wedge in. How tall is Keegan Bradley? Like, yeah, he's pretty tall. He looks pretty tall. Yeah. Like, no I mean, wonder. I he's Mickelson tall, but he's tall. Really? Oh, I think Phil's like 6'4", isn't he? Really? That doesn't oh, come yeah. off. Big, oh. big boy. Really? Just the lankiness, maybe, of, uh, of Bradley. <laughs> Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. All right, let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by De Dutch. De breakfast, de brunch, de lunch. Past the huge De Dutch there, right centrally located in Kelowna. 
Anyways, get yourself a Dutch breakfast, brunch, or lunch. Patrick Johnson in place of the welcome mat today. We've shuffled some guests this week. Gregor's going to join us tomorrow. Cam Robinson's at the draft for us and will be joining midweek. But PJ normally on Tuesday is going to go here. John Patterson stops by. We'll get some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. And a special edition of Sakaris versus Price. S versus P. Best player available or draft for organizational need. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Well, big week ahead here for the Vancouver Canucks. We turn over the welcome mat to Patrick Johnson of the Province and Post Media. Normally a Tuesday guest for us, but flexible enough to uh, join us here on the Monday. How are big you, sir? pressure. Welcome, Matt. Oh, my. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. oh boy. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Front of the bus. Oh, God. <laughs> so uh, first things first, answer me the Bodog poll question. There's tons of big names available on this trade market. Do you want the Canucks to acquire one? Should they go out and acquire one? It's funny, you know, you sort of, yes, I think so. I mean, the lo- they're this yes, far into it, let's have some fun. I mean, yes, the long-term picture is, you know, not to do this, but here we are. I, I'm sorry, selfishly, I just want to, I want to cover some playoff games. That's all. Well, <laughs> and, and this is where I'm at too, because <laughs> I, I occasionally get uh, people replying to me on Twitter going, but you've advocated for this and that for the longest time. And I go, yeah, and that's still how I would do it. But it is clear that this organization from top to bottom yeah. is not going to manage that way. So, so let's operate in this world. Exactly. Yeah. So let's yeah. operate in this world. If you keep promising playoffs, yeah. then you better improve the hockey club. Go on out there on the trade market and get someone who And helps. you've recognized that your lineup wasn't good enough. So like what, you know, there are only so many ways to turn your lineup over. And if the point is that we think the team isn't good enough and they think the team isn't good enough, well, let's go make a trade. Okay, but and all that's fine and good, and I agree. Um, what's happening in the Pacific Division? Because how many teams win the Cup and then miss the playoffs? So you're going to have to pencil in the Golden Knights for a spot. I don't think the Oilers are going anywhere. Yeah. In fact, they they might just be better. Um, the LA Kings are about to acquire Pierre Luc Dubois, which will have Kopitar, Dubois, and Deneau down the middle. I don't see that team missing the playoffs, save for catastrophic injury and Seattle still seems like they're on an upward trajectory as well are we talking about the Canucks just grabbing the eighth the second wild card and and clinging on for dear life and that means that Calgary's got no chance I'm assuming I mean 
Like, and then there's the central division, right? Like the Avalanche, the yeah. Stars, the Wild. I don't. Maybe the Jets are falling away. Maybe the Predators. You know what Probably. I mean? But like, you're yeah. still having to battle over those guys. You're still having to. Yeah. It, no. Don't get me wrong. Like it is hard. You know the Blues. It's a tough the Blues, path, right? It's a tough path. But at the end of the day, if you, I guess this is the other thing. If you are going to make the playoffs, you are going to have to take some swings. Um, we can quibble whether yeah. they've made the right swings to date. But they need to, yeah, this team, they need to improve this team because of exactly the reasons you just lined up, Blake. Like, I think that's and why. I, and I'm not saying don't try. And I'm not saying don't try. I'm just saying I, I hope Canuck fans realize that when they, if they pull off a big deal, and good on them if they do, it's not like you dust your hands off and go, here come yeah, the playoffs, no, exactly. baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah. I, anyway. What let's about? Go for it. Let's see. It. Let's go for it. Let's do. It. Let's see them do it. <laughs> what? What about free agency, Patrick? Do you, Do you think they're going to be in on the bigger names? Like, could you see a Dumba or an Orlov amongst the defensemen? Is JT Confer or anybody who could play third line center? Do you yeah, think? Yeah, I mean, I, I a think, possibility in free agency. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I still have this sort of feeling that they're going to try to go for a big swing at the draft in the next few days here. Um, but I don't think that precludes them as well from yet. I, I don't think they solve all their problems in one swoop. You know, they need a defenseman. They need a center. Um, I, yeah, I, I do. I, it's not exactly an amazing free agency class, but, you know, when you hear that they were, I mean, I, I enjoyed the sort of Rick's reporting. Well, of course they're talking. I mean, yes, you're right. Of course they're talking about it. And I see Rick's now saying that they're they're kind of done with the, idea, the Lucic idea, which is, you know, fine. Um, yeah. yeah, but Confer, yeah, any guys like that, yes. Dumb, I mean, Dumba, you know, I thought there was a chance that Dumba was coming a couple of years ago and maybe in trade for Besser, but, um, uh, you know, we now have a different management team from the previous one. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think they're going to try to do everything they can to add players, and that means signing players, and that means trading for players, and we'll see how it all shakes out. Did you believe the trade-up talk from the general manager last week? I mean, week? I, that felt like some bluster. Uh, you stand back. You think a little bit about, you know, the lack of fear as he, you know, he identified of drafting Russians. And so you start wondering. I talked a little about this on Rick White, but you start wondering about, okay, do people think Michkov's going to slide? If you start sliding, you can start seeing teams behind thinking about it. But then, you you know, there. Uh, it's pretty clear that the Capitals are thinking the same way. You hear the the noise from them. They're drafting at eight. Um, certainly, I don't think Michkov gets past them at eight. And it sounds like they're interested in trying to move up as well. So, yeah, I, it's it, it's 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 a little bit trying to build some buzz around yourself. It was I thought a smart sort of thing for him to suggest. I don't I don't know if it's actually going to happen. So few teams, especially in the first round, ever actually are able to draft or uh, trade up. If anything, it ever happens, it's actually trading back, and even that doesn't happen very often. So I, I I will be pleasantly surprised if they are able to do that. I just don't I just don't think um, I just don't think it's uh, it's it's going to be you know yeah. I, I it could be but I'm just skeptical given history that it's going to be. Canucks fans should be hoping that Mishkov goes because you know realistically he's not going to get to 11 anyway. So you want him to you want to make sure that he goes so that he takes the spot of another. Prospect that they yes. can otherwise use. Yes, you know, I don't think they're taking them anyways. No, at eleven, probably you, not. You tell me, Patrick. What do you think? I've, if by chance, if by miracle, 
I I mean I think they're more inclined towards a defenseman. I think that's the best I can figure. But I really I I have generally stayed away from trying to speculate on who who's out there. I've heard you know heard rumblings of Lander and things like that. But I'm generally careful in this uh, in this area just because I you know generally draft preview stuff I leave the coups and then I just find there's just so much noise whether intentional or not. I. You can. It's so easy to talk yourself yeah. into and out of something as well. It's yeah. So like I, you know, I've been doing these draft reviews, and you know, twenty nineteen is up today, and and Pud Colson was number ten, and I, you know, you sit there. Well, what was the reasoning? And I said, well, because he was rated seven or eight, and he was still on the board. Um, you know that that's why they drafted him. You know, there was all this noise about Soderstrom and all these other guys, and in the end, he was a player that they didn't expect to be there at ten, and he was there at ten, and that's who they wanted. Um, so, you know, it shakes out. Like I said, it shakes out. Yeah, I'm sure they're hoping that a guy that they've got in the top two or three, like Michkov or whatever, Carlson, blah, 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 is going to slide. But he's not going to slide to 11. So... Would you trade Pod Colson this year? Uh, this summer? Because he might be useful yeah. this week, no, potentially. I, I Are you ready that? to move yeah, on? Yeah, I thought about that. I certainly yeah. think he would be appealing. I, I think there's still plenty of appeal to him. Um, for for, for sure. the reason why you're hesitant to think about trading him. Um yeah, absolutely. I yeah, I I think it really. It, I think it is dependent. I mean, if it's a, if it's a case that like you could land another first rounder this year, like yeah, I think you really have to think long and hard about that. Um, does he actually have a role on the team? You, you you want him to win a role? You think there's a world where they? You think there's a world where someone gives you a? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I'm just saying, like that's the kind of thing that comes to you. But mm-hmm. you know, what is the role for him coming into this season? You know, you've got all these wingers. Somebody's mm-hmm. got to go. Does he have the most value compared to uh, compared to the rest of them? You know, we've seen we've seen some late <laughs> developing European uh, forwards, uh, Hedl, Kako, uh, Kako um, even Nechas. Um, I, I wonder if people are a little bit more confident, believing that guys like Pod Colson will eventually find their level. You know, um, and, and and maybe they'd be interested in acquiring him. Now, you know me, I love him. I I think he's going to be a player yeah. still, but. Uh, he's also there's a bit of maturing to do I don't think he's you know I think it's just a little bit recognizing you know he he is a bit of a case of of, which is not uncommon a guy kind of who's been able to get this far because he's been best among his peers and then you get to the NHL and everybody's really good you know even the guys that aren't as good as you are really good so um, I think there's been a little bit of that I don't think there's any suggestion that like he doesn't put the work in I think it's just a little bit of a focus element that he just needs to you know as he's a young guy and he's just like now is the yep. time and um, you know we saw the way he performed at the end of the season I don't know if maybe he, oh okay I figured it out you know and did he take his foot off the pedal and then you know the obviously the first half of last year was tough like he Boudreau didn't really know what to do with him despite the good run at the end of the year he lost his confidence he wasn't playing he fully you know he admitted it to me at one point said I have no confidence in my game right now and that's a terrible place to be and that's why they sent him back to the AHL but then he came back and he still was mm-hmm. kind of a non-factor so um yeah. All right. He just needs a. Mm. He needs if you're, if you're not going to predict who they're going to take at number eleven, and boo Patrick Johnson. I mean, you came to our Super Bowl party. You played all the parlor games there. For God's sake. Yeah, nobody's sakes. calling me. Out. Yeah. Like I didn't hand you the Super Bowl prop sheet, and you went, "Oh no, I couldn't possibly." Um. Do you still think trading down is a possibility? E- either for just 
we like a bunch of guys, and so let's get some draft yeah. capital, or let's shade, uh, let's shed a salary. I mean, the, the salary thing is still I mean, obviously if they're trying to continue to reset the deck, and I, I have every reason to think that that's not a project they're done with. Uh, yeah, I the, the Chicago conversation. I think there was some there. Like I said at the time, and I, I think there was merit to it. Someone told me that they thought there was some merit to it. Um, to the point where Chicago, at least, I mean, I don't know if it's still the case, but a month ago, Chicago certainly, I think, had the belief that they would come away, or sorry, that they would have they would have a Vancouver first round pick from the next two years. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. I, I don't know if that. I don't know where that's at. I know that there was certainly talk about it, um, and so we'll see. I, I think trading back or adding a pick is entirely possible. I my my feeling is that Chicago would like to add that eleven this year because there's a range yeah. of player there that they want because they have to build a you know those that guy and and, and Connor Bedard presumably is in the lineup next year and that guy that they get you would get eleven is not likely in the lineup this season probably not the season after but in Bedard's last year in ELC you could have a young say a young quality defenseman working on your third pair mm-hmm. and that's exactly what you need to be doing to build your team to be a contender because you want you know the, the most prime time if you have uh, a player of Bedard's quality the, the the primo time for building your roster towards being a contender is when he is in his 21 age 21 season the third year of his ELC yeah. and that's just what you want to do uh, lastly, for me, uh, I saw you reported on the passing of Gino Ojic and uh, something that we were not aware of. For those who missed the story, Patrick. Please well, I, you know, one of those ones that you thought about, there was some new studies that had come out with some CTE stuff recently, and I actually had got in touch with, with Gino's old friend, Peter Leach, um, and, and sort of had asked him, hey, you know, was there ever a suspicion of this? You know, is there anything about this? And he kind of got back to me last week, you know, and, and said... You know, there's some, uh, some some test results have come in. Uh, to be clear, the only way to fully, still, the only way to fully confirm CTE uh, is to actually physically examine the brain. As my understanding, that has not happened. But it, 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 essentially, athletes, especially in football and hockey, rugby, uh, any other contact sports, um, you know, soccer, I think because of heading, Soccer's growing, really growing. Um, yeah. But especially the three, the three sort of most, you know, lacrosse, the main kind of contact sports, the repeated head blows, concussions, uh, has been found to be a very strong uh, contributor to developing CTE later in life. And and you know, all, re- repeatedly, players who were suspected to have suffered with CTE once their brains get uh, assessed have been found to have the telltale signs of it. Um, so there, there was sort of a clinical uh, likelihood that Gino had it, and then I think they found enough kind of other items in these tests um, that essentially led them, without having to do to do. I mean, I'm, maybe they will do a fi- final assessment, but essentially, yes, that Gino had CTE, which I, you know I don't think surprised many. Gino, Peter told me Gino had, you know, long worried about it talked a lot about you know understanding Gino for people who maybe don't realize like like Gino was one of the more voracious readers I think in the history of hockey mm. um, there's a story years ago BC Book World which is the, you know, was a long time sort of basically book review magazine that you'd find on the ferry um, long ago yeah, did a profile right. yeah. on Gino where Gino was read like he'd read a hundred books a year you know like this was one of the guys this he knew what was up and um, 
and was quite taken with, you know, he was you know, reading everything, but, you know, trying to figure out what's going on, what's possibly in the future for him. And one of the things Peter told me was that when, the, you know, all the stuff started coming out of Darren Bugard, that that really shook Gino because, you know, there was a guy that was of his, of his ilk, you know, the toughest guy in the NHL who just, com- life was completely shattered. And Gino had no regrets. Peter wants that to be clear. Like, Gino would do it all again. You know, the, the, the life he had, the, the things he saw, he traveled the world, you know, from a very small community in Quebec, and he went a, a long way, and it was because he was willing to use his fists. And um, and he has no regrets about that, and, and in a certain level, Peter says maybe it's a blessing, you know, Gene obviously tra- died tragically, tragically earlier this year of a heart attack, but maybe it was a blessing that he didn't end up having to deal with the sort of dementia that was likely on the way for him, given the, this now diagnosis. Yeah, and, and as he mentors, so many uh, enforcers, that profile of player uh, in the NHL of his and, era. I mean, it, uh, also not, not just enforcer. I mean, one of the things, too, that came up was Bernie Nichols, who was involved quite, you know, a, a large class action, or not a class action, but a large lawsuit push against the NHL several years ago, and they got a very meager settlement. Um, and, and I think Gino was sort of felt that Bernie had been a bit ostracized by hockey, and he worried that that he didn't want to have that happen. He still valued, you know, the sort of friendships, mm-hmm. and relationships. Yeah. Oh, Ari Richard recently well, too. Yeah, yeah. granted, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's a as we yeah, all... it exists across the board. You know, obviously enforcers are more likely, but you know, yeah, Ari Richard, great example. A lot of guys that that dealt yeah. with, with this kind of stuff later in life. Hey, before well, an extraordinary life lived, not without its difficulties, yeah. as we as yeah. we knew what you know. Before you go, uh, Flames fire sales coming up. Um, <laughs> do they do they? Uh, do the Canucks double back on Tyler Toffoli in any way, oh, shape, or form? Please, no, no, just stop. Well, what? You Why get... would you ask that? Sixteen minutes. Dif- in? Different. Nonsense. I keep the buzz going. If it's Welcome, a Matt. Or a, if it's a, it's a, if it's a center or a, or a defenseman, price sure. But no, but Toffoli? if you jet, if you jettison one of your wingers to them. And get a guy with one year left yeah. that gets you salary cap space a year yeah. from now. Why wouldn't you I, do that? I had the same thought. I mean, obviously, it's a different management team. Uh, and the Toffoli story, of course, there is, uh, you know. He doesn't, yeah. He things, could, things have, could have been a Canuck. We were back you, to it. The, I'm sorry, you, the owner's willing to spend money again, at least on players. You had the same thoughts? What do you mean? Why wouldn't you? Why is this See, a weird thought? Because of the cap aspect. You, you're shuffling stuff around. You're trying to make your team different. I, I'm totally on board with this, it's Matt. Not, it's not, He's a great player. He's a not finisher. Adding, oh, Matt, you're not adding to the wingers. You you're would get rid of one the at the same time. What's yeah. the opposite of great minds think alike? <laughs> you both thought this? I don't understand why you wouldn't think this. Why did this not come to because your mind? Because let's address center and defense before we go ahead and start looking at another middle six winger that we once had here. Because we are let get away. We're managing for the middle term and the long term as well here. This is a galaxy brain yes, thought here. Sorry you didn't arrive right. on it. Yeah. Well, thank you to you and your galaxy brain, <laughs> yeah. Patrick. You and Blake can go get a corner table together and plot world Sounds domination great. now. Can't right? wait. Thanks for filling in on the take, welcome take today. Care, and it's a presentation of Northlands Golf Course, Metro Vancouver's premier public golf course, starting March 1st. That was a long time ago. You know this. You can book your tee times 90 days in advance. And, of course, join the loyalty program. The price of your next round could be free. Get on that patio, too, overlooking the course in the city on a gorgeous day. Maybe Blake and Patrick will be at the corner table plotting Tyler Toffoli's reacquisition with the Vancouver Canucks. See how it's weird.
Details at golfnorthlands.com. So Harrison Price from Wall Center and hashtags is the best and worst of Twitter. And it's brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. We know the market's crazy again. Interest rates up higher than before. If you're thinking about finding buying a home, find out where you stand now. Get yourself pre-approved. Don't play catch up. You can get all the details and the best advice from Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. If Connor Bedard was... Check, and it was an Olympic year. You probably expect to see him at the best on best tournament coming up, whether it's a World Cup or an Olympics, right? You probably expect that. You know, mm-hmm. he's generational player, projected player. Not going to happen in uh, round ball at official NBA wire. Victor Wambanyama has decided to not play for France in the upcoming 2023 FIBA World Cup in August to prepare for his rookie year with the Spurs and for Paris Olympics the next year. So that's the good news. We can probably expect him to play in the Paris Olympics in 2024. Uh, yeah, I would think. But assuming they qualify. Oh, I guess they're pre-qualified yeah, as hosts. They're hosting, yeah. But uh won't get any sneak peek at him no. in a French uniform and you know, disappointed for the French fans obviously. I loved what Jay Billis said on the ESPN draft coverage last week with Wembeyama. And I'll paraphrase, but he said, "Don't talk to me about hype here." This isn't a guy who's about hype. This is a guy, kid who's about facts. He's about truth. You go watch him play. You can bring an alien down from outer space, put him at center court, and say, who's the best player on the floor? And within five minutes, they would say Victor Wambayama. I wish we could do this poll He's, question and get it to do numbers, but who's a bigger sure thing, Connor Bedard or Victor Wambayama? Oh, well, and I, you're sort of scooping a little bit of a welcome out later this week, but it is quite feasible that we're going to look back on this week and talk about yeah. how the NBA and the NHL got their two signature stars. Now, look, Connor McDavid, I suspect, is going to play an awful long time. But I think there's a world where Bedard can be the best player in the NHL, ultimately. And I think there's a world where Victor Wembanyama will be the best player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And they will have entered... I mean, this is the best prospect since LeBron James. Make no mistake. And as Billis and others said, we've never seen this before in terms of athletic marvel. He's the sixth tallest player in the history of the league. Crazy. The only guys who are taller than him are guys like Sean Bradley, Yao Ming, George Mirasan, Manute Bowl. But he's got a guard skill set. Ridiculous when you watch the tape of him doing what he's doing to poor French League professional. <laughs> At Randy Sportak, who's covered the Calgary Flames for a long time, are Flames fans really willing to support them through a complete teardown and rebuild? If Hannafin and Lindholm both want to go, which is their right, you may as well sell off other veterans to maximize picks and prospects, but it will mean some ugly seasons in Calgary. And yet the flip side for Greg Conroy, Blake, is do you want to resign all these guys that have a huge number of 30-plus players on long-term rich contracts knowing full well you're not getting value on the back end? And, of course, it goes beyond just Lindholm 
and Hannafin, like potentially Backlund to Foley, our old friend Chris Tanev. The Calgary Flames could look so much different here. They probably should. In the next couple of weeks. They probably should well, look different. Well, that's it. Yeah. Is you gave it a good go. You didn't get there. And frankly, here's the other thing, Calgary. There's a cost for hiring Daryl Sutter as your head coach in yeah. this day and age. Yeah. That he alienated much of that room. You're going to live with the ghost of Daryl Sutter as much as we're in Vancouver here living with the ghost of Jim Benning. Well, I I, uh, I think they were planning on this past year and this coming year as being their go for the cup moments. And it didn't work out, obviously, this year. And now do they even bother because of how bad they were this year? If they flamed out in the second round this year, they probably are okay just going going into the season with a bunch of guys ready to expire on their contracts, just thinking we're going chips in. But now, uh, do you bother? You know that there's so many question marks swirling. I, I don't think it's likely. Uh, at Jimmy Keating 11, Florida Gators Jack Caglione does Shohei Otani impression at Men's College World Series. This kid set a an NCAA baseball record in home runs with 33, and he has a 99 mile per hour fastball. Uh, another underreported story in this neck of the wo- uh, neck of the woods because we don't talk a ton of baseball here. Shohei Otani might be playing the most spectacular baseball season ever recorded. It, it, it might be. You can mm-hmm. make that intellectual argument. Might there be an American version coming up here ah. through the Florida Gators organization? Well, we, we have seen in drips and drabs before Shohei Itani. And look, you go and, and look, you go watch any Major League Baseball draft. There will be a number of 2A players. Yep. You'll hear the Keith Laws and the Kylie McDaniels of the world talking about you know, so-and-so, they like him as a pitcher, but he's also played shortstop or so-and-so. But they've never been allowed to blossom. Coaches have always said, nah, I think we should also ultimately make you an X, whether mm-hmm. it's a pitcher or a hitter. Mm-hmm. John Olerud had some of that talk way back in the day. Yep. And they ultimately just made him a hitter. Yep. Um, but now, they, because of Otani, I think coaches For might sure. be a little more inclined to let this kid try to flourish in For both. For sure. Uh, the starter, uh, the pitcher down in Tampa, McKay, was viewed, viewed as a terrific uh, hitter at one point, Lorenzen, the uh, outfielder for Cincinnati drafted. I don't forget where he is now, but um, sorry, the uh, pitcher. But he's pinch hit, like he's been used as a batter. Yeah, in the past, I think you're going to see some of that going forward, and it's, and you should. That's how it should work. Usually, you go to a, a little league diamonds. The kids who are pitching are usually some of the best hitters too. Yeah, like, you, sure. you want your best athletes to affect the game as much as possible. I was pleased to see this. Uh, Meant to do an item on this last week, but pleased to see that the Canucks have delivered a statement here on the passing of Vern Frick at Canucks. Canucks Sports Entertainment are devastated to hear about the passing of a cherished member of our Canuck family, Vern Frick. Vern was a beacon of kindness and warmth, always brightening the hearts of every single fan he encountered. He graced our building with his lively presence as a dedicated host for over 53 years, dating back to the very first Canucks game played on October 9th, 1970 at the Pacific Coliseum. Our deepest condolences to Vern's family, friends, and colleagues. Vern will be deeply missed, and his legacy will live forever. Uh, Vern Frick, forever a uh, Canuck. If you've been to Rogers Arena or you've been to the Coliseum in the past, you've probably encountered Vic. He was the cheeriest friendliest of ushers. I believe there was a television commercial about him around the 2010 Vancouver Olympics. He passed suddenly on June 1st 
at age 85. The longest serving employee of the PE, Blake, he started in 1955. He, he was security for the Beatles. Uh, yes. When the Beatles played at the Nine, fair, he worked security. That's quite right. Yeah. And apparently was charged with having to keep the mad fans away from the Fab Four as they were on stage. Uh, worked his first game as an usher in 1963. It was a Lions game at Empire Stadium. His day job was with Canada Post. He also supervised the teen dances that they used to have. And is that not an old-timey term? Huh? Teen, teen dances. Dance, yeah. uh, back at the PNE. He's survived by his wife, three children, two grandchildren. Blake and I, of course, got to know him over the years um, at our, with our time at Rogers Arena. Uh, may Vern rest peacefully. And that's hashtags for today. Harris Price from Wall Center. Today's Bulldog poll question. Lots of big names available on the trade market. Do you want the Canucks to acquire one? We'll put that to Jeff Patterson here in a second. Bulldog, your source for casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bulldog, line of the day from me. Canada-Guadalupe tomorrow at the Gold Cup. The Canadians are huge favorites. You can't just bet them on the money line. Canada win by three. Doubles your money on the Bulldog line of the day. Here he is, our Canucks reporter, one half of the rink-wide duo with Andrew Wadden. Sat in for me Friday. Thank you, Jeff Patterson. And it's draft and free agency week, my friend. Very exciting time. Indeed it is. Uh, let the games begin, or uh, whatever <laughs> we consider the games. But I guess they've already started. We've we've seen a little bit of trade activity, saw a little more over the weekend. And now that all <laughs> the teams have converged on Music City, uh, yeah, let's hope that uh, that's the theme for the week and that uh, we all have lots to talk about. But we also got a lesson, didn't we, on how difficult some of these things can be sometimes. Like, there's been snags left, right, and center for a lot of teams running up against no trade clauses, running up against weird CBA clauses. Um, I mean, it, it, it's one thing to say, hey, the Canucks should go do X. It's not always easy to execute, apparently. No, I saw the uh, ramifications of the Tony D'Angelo deal yeah. in Carolina, and I guess Tory Krug. Look, you negotiate trade protection for a reason, and there are some that are trying to figure out whether this is about wanting to play for a contender somewhere, or whether this is just using trade protection to stay as far away from torts as one possibly can. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure what's going into it. Uh, there was a suggestion that maybe Tory Krug, in the light of day, would uh, reconsider. But for now, uh, yeah, certainly seems like some trade protection there, uh, a bit of a holdup between what looked like and sounded like as pieces were starting to leak out on Saturday, like an absolute blockbuster leading into draft week. Yeah, and uh, don't blame Krug for a heartbeat if he doesn't oh. want to join a full rebuild in Philadelphia with John Tortorella on the bench. Uh, as you mentioned, that it is his prerogative after what was negotiated in. Answer me the poll, Jeff. It's a weaker free agent crop. Do you want to see the Canucks swing a big trade here, add a big name on the trade market? I don't need them to go big game hunting here. They've already done that with Philip Ronick. Uh Where they are, and I know that they've cleared a little cap space, obviously, with the OEL buyout. I want to see these guys use just ruthless efficiency, though, in finding bargains that are available, either in free agency or via trade. I want, for the first time in my life, to see the Vancouver Canucks demonstrate 
that they understand the concept of weaponizing the cap space that they have. And we've gone through a couple of management groups now, and we just haven't seen it. We've seen it in reverse, obviously, where they've had to pay to make some contracts go away. But now that they've created this flexibility, I'm a little surprised. Like, they jumped right in on the first day of the buyout window to execute the OAL buyout. I kind of thought that there would be another shoe to drop shortly thereafter. I figured it was all part of a plan, and uh, maybe it is still, but... We haven't seen that second move, the accompanying move after the OEL buyout. So uh, I don't need them getting in over their heads with a massive contract. And I know the cap is uh, supposed to go up and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think for next year, if it is about just building a, a more solid, more robust lineup top to bottom, then I want to see them poach and I want to see them pounce on some inefficiencies in the market. And now that they've got some salary cap space to do it, that to me would represent a victory here over the next uh, seven or eight days. Was that Sean Dursey trade a missed opportunity? Would you have paid that price for Sean Dursey? I'm surprised that, I guess I'm surprised that Los Angeles parted with the player in return for a pick when it sounds like the Kings are uh, involved in Pierre-Luc Dubois, if not other things as well. I would have thought Dursey would have been of interest to the Winnipeg Jets in return if you were going to shop that deal. So uh, the fact that they get a draft pick, that's fine. I mean, that's draft capital that you can use as an asset. But I was a little surprised that Dursey, uh, yeah, I mean, just a young right-handed defenseman that has NHL games under his belt now. I mean, that would be pretty attractive to just about every team around the league. So did the Canucks miss out? Uh, look, they certainly can use help on the right side. We know that, but uh, they don't have a second rounder, so they couldn't pay that price uh, right there. You know, even if they got wind of a deal going down over the weekend, they didn't have the currency necessary to make that trade happen. But yeah, I mean, uh, sure. I, I think Sean Dursey, I mean, it's incredible that, uh, you know, one time we talked about the Los Angeles Kings and all of that young talent that they had stockpiled on the back end, particularly on the right side. And I guess it tells you that they truly value Brant Clark because he's the one guy that they haven't moved off of. And I do think that they want to clear a path for him to be an everyday National Hockey Leaguer as early as next season. Yeah, and that uh, that pick gets the Kings into the draft. They're without a first rounder, so that gets them into 32nd in the, uh, in the second round here. So, uh, Oh, sorry, no, that's the 2024 pick. My bad. Uh, but I, I'm with you, Jeff. I'm a little surprised that it went for just that, uh, particularly given the uh, plethora of young right-shot defensemen they have. I see you've asked a poll on your own with regards to how many picks the Canucks will use on Wednesday, Thursday. They own seven. Take us through that. Yeah, and seven is the allotted number. And uh, just looking at their recent history, since they played playoff hockey in the bubble, there have been three drafts, 2020, 2021, 2022, and the Vancouver Canucks, who haven't played a playoff game since the bubble, have used a grand total of 17 picks over the last three drafts, which is just wild when you think of where they are and the fact that they have parted with so many picks. And, you know, last year they had a first-rounder in Jonathan Karamaki. Obviously, the jury's still very much out on him, but no first-rounders the years before that. So, you know, if people, and look, every year, we've, we're all guilty of it. We have asked that question so many times. You know, is this the year the Canucks add draft picks ahead of a draft? Well, if you're one that believes that this is the year that it's going to happen, then you're swimming upstream here. You're going against the grain because uh, only twice in the last decade have the Canucks used more than the prescribed uh, draft per round that every team has at the start of a you know a draft cycle. So uh, they have traded away. Everybody knows the history here, whether it was Jim Benning. We've seen it uh, continue with this regime as well. Uh, they had nine, a high of nine picks one year. That was the year that they were the host, 2019, when they took Pud Colson 
and Hoaglander and Silovs, among others. And the Elias Pettersson draft in 2017, they had eight picks. So twice in the last decade have they had more uh, than their prescribed number of picks. So uh, history isn't on your side if you think that uh, somehow this is the year that they're going to uh, bulk up. Hey, you've heard uh, some of the names. Who do you think they will take? Like, which which name makes sense for you uh, at number 11? Tom Lander makes an awful lot of sense just as a right-shot defenseman, which obviously checks a ton of boxes for them. Uh, he's Swedish, and uh, we know that the general manager is, and they went to Sweden last year with their first rounder. Uh, I hope that, you know, that isn't the prevailing factor of why you would select Tom Lander, but... You know, they took him out to dinner uh, in Buffalo at the Combine, so they wined him and dined him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look, you, you, we all do this. You connect the dots in this business. And so I think that there is some legitimate interest there. Uh, you know, Ryan Backer, I think, is probably off the board. I'm really curious to see it's such a forward-heavy draft. So how many D go before the Canucks get to the podium with that 11th selection? And as much as Patrick Alvin talked up moving up last week, and I still think that uh, there is a scenario where they could trade down, ultimately this team is bereft of high-end prospects, particularly in the back end. I, I think they're going to use the 11th pick. So Tom Lander is a guy that fits the bill on a lot of levels. Uh, I think Axel Sandine Pelica has been talked up as well, and, and you know, I, I wouldn't be personally disappointed if uh, he wound up in the Canucks stable you know, if there are one of those forwards that falls and, you know, I'm going to be really curious to sort of see where the, the breaks are in this draft and Mitchkoff is an absolute wild card. And, you know, when you think of the depth that Anaheim has down the middle, could, you know, could things go completely askew with the second pick? Would they dare uh, take Mitchkoff as high as number two? I, I, unlikely, but, you know, I'm all for it in terms of uh, introducing some chaos into all of this. But uh, I think the Canucks, it's my understanding, they've got some real interest in Ryan Leonard if he was to, to drop that far down. And I know that they've been linked to Nate Danielson as well. And there's sort of that, you know, not a high ceiling, but a guy that a lot of people think is just going to have a very productive, uh, well-rounded National Hockey League career as a right-shot centerman. And again, when you look at the wish list for the Vancouver Canucks, right D and a right-shot center, I would think those two are at the very top of the list. I do wonder... If they reach for, well, first of all, Mishkov, by the way, guys, um, the, the GM that drafts Mishkov is a GM that has been appointed in the last two years, right? Uh, a guy that knows he's going to be around when Mishkov eventually gets there. The Vancouver Canucks fit that bill. Whether or not he lasts till 11 remains to be seen. And I would, I would doubt that. But, you know, I think it has to be a GM who feels ultimately confident that he's going to see him in three years' time. Um, I wonder if the Canucks are tempted to reach for Reinbacher. If Reinbacher's on the board still after six picks, seven picks, because I think there's an outside chance that they think he might be able to play next year uh, as a cost-efficient defenseman. Big guy who's already played pro games. Um, I wonder if they think that he's maybe an option for them next season and they're tempted to reach for him if he's within arm's reach. Um, and even if it means kind of mortgaging the future a little bit by by making that uh, that trade. I hear you, and yet history just tells us it's so hard to trade into the top 10. Like, we always talk about that as one of those things, and so often teams are just reluctant. I think they're scared, obviously, to to move off a, a top 10 pick. But 
Uh, for the reasons you laid out, yes, I think the Canucks would be interested if they could get the presumptive best defenseman in the draft when they started the week with the 11th overall pick. I think they'd be pretty happy about that. But at what price, uh, I guess, is the question. And what assets ultimately do the Canucks have to move up? Would it be enough to package Niels Hoaglander with the 11th pick to move up three or four spots? No. I don't no. think, I think so. I think it's the Karamaki and, and and maybe something else on top of that. But Lekaramaki, I think, gets somebody talking for, for two spots. I wonder about an Archer Silovs uh, just with the healing yeah. that he's got coming off the uh, the World Championship as well. I mean, I wouldn't have thought he was a, a trade chip necessarily, but if you want to strike while the iron is hot, we know that goaltending is sort of voodoo, and it would take a team that absolutely thought that uh, you know that was a, just a projection of what's possible for Silovs uh, in the years ahead. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think Hill Hoaglander alone gets you that deal, so uh, then it's a question of, you know, what else is in the cupboard, and we know that that cupboard doesn't have an awful lot in it. Nope. Yeah, uh, Silas Hoaglander, Pod Colson, who knows, maybe this yeah, maybe week, Pod and Colson. as you say, maybe in a, a trade-up scenario. Jeff, do you think trading down and shedding a contract is completely off the board now? I don't. I, I still think that the Canucks, you know, again, if they go into this sort of... And honestly, after all the years of best player available, I sort of would applaud if they had decided that, you know, this is the year, hell or high water, they're coming home with a right shot defenseman or a centerman. Uh, You know, if they've got some guys that, and again, it's going to depend on the volatility ahead of them in the draft, but there's always uh, that to some extent. Yeah, I, I think that that 11th pick should be open. Uh, they should be listening to calls. I would assume Patrick Alvine is. I certainly haven't ruled it out, Matt. I, I would think that mm-hmm. that is, you know, part of the playbook for the Vancouver Canucks if the deal. And look, going way back, like that idea of Chicago, the idea of the Blackhawks coveting the 11th overall pick, walking away with one and 11 in this year's draft as they try to speed their rebuild. And if they were willing to take on one of those uh, hefty contracts, the Canucks clear out cap space, but they're guaranteed. Uh, the Canucks have to pick in the first round. Trading out of the first round, to me, an absolute non-starter. So whatever they do with that 11th pick, if it's trading back, they need, they have to come out of this with a free, you can't go, as they just said. I mean, they didn't have first-rounders in 2020 or 2021. You can't go three or four years without a first-round pick. Uh, that would seem insane to me. So, uh, But I, I'd be open to that conversation of dropping yeah. down, shedding a salary, and still being able to get a top-20 player in what is uh, believed to be one of the best drafts uh, you know, in recent memory. And we've talked a lot about Nashville at 15, who has more picks than anybody and is obviously going into a rebuild with Barry Trotz. We've talked about Chicago at 19 and wanting to get a playmate, maybe even Andrew Crystal, the lower mainlander, to go play with Connor Bedard. But Buffalo at 13, they have two prime second-round picks. Detroit at 17, they have three picks consecutively in the second round, 41-42. 43, even down to uh, Seattle and Minnesota at 20 and 21, um, who have some draft capital and uh, prospects also. So could go a lot of ways if they're moving if they're moving down. We'll talk about this later in the week, but as it stands right now, do you expect the Canucks to be a player in free agency? Yes, I, I think that they will find a left shot defenseman uh, at what price point? Is that Orloff, Jeff? Do you think they'll go as high-end oh, as Orloff? I, I don't think they can get on Orloff. Uh, we okay. spent some time last week talking about Carson Soucy. I think that type of player, uh, you know, a, a guy who maybe has earned a higher opportunity with the, a team somewhere else, 
uh, the danger there is that maybe Carson Soucy has been perfectly slotted as a third-pairing guy with both Minnesota and Seattle, and you always run that risk, and we've seen that from the Canucks before, believing that a, a guy that's done something somewhere else can step in and play higher in the lineup. But Soucy's big, yeah, he's not overly physical, but doesn't shy away from contact, kills penalties, and 10 goals in uh, Seattle in the expansion year of the Kraken, and we know that the Canucks don't uh, get an awful lot uh, of juice from the back end. They're not looking for another power play guy. You've got Hironik in now, so you're looking at a guy that you know really will mind the shop. So whether it's Carson Soucy or somebody like that, I think that's where they go in unrestricted free agency. And then, of course, uh, how do you address that third-line center? Do you have enough money left to spend? Or, you know, mm. that one to mm. me feels like finding a player... You know, and I don't think Ryan Johansson, even though he's a local kid, I don't think he was the the fit kid. He's into his uh, 30s now. Uh, who am I to call him a kid? But uh, mm-hmm. they need somebody that can kill penalties, and Ryan Johansson has not done that in Nashville. Uh, and that's where I think you know, can you find a team that's trying to shed the salary of a player who can still play? And I think the Canucks mm-hmm. have to be ready to pounce and pivot and just be nimble. Uh, you know, around the draft. And even those first couple of days of free agency, if teams strike out and they're looking for sort of that second route to, you know, filling out their roster, that's where the Canucks have to be ready to play ball. So, uh, you know, I think the wish list is pretty clear. It's a question of getting from here to there. So, yeah, I think they're going to spend in free agency. My hunch is that they'll target a defenseman as a free agent candidate and maybe try to address Mm third-line center uh, through some sort of trade. The more I hear all this, guys, I hear three pieces that the Canucks kind of need and... Uh, just not enough cap space right now to make all that happen. Like, well, Orloff would eat up pretty much all, all of, of OEL. Yeah, yeah, and I think Carson Soucy is going to get bid up uh, yeah. beyond what he's worth as well. Still affordable, but b- more think, than he should. I think that's a huge pitfall, Soucy. Like, overpaying for third-pair defensemen yeah. is like a cardinal sin uh, in the but NHL. But he's got some helium as yeah, a, oh, as a sure. free agent. For and sure. I just, you know, yep. it's... it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, who mm-hmm. knows how it plays out, but it, I I feel like they're still cash poor yeah. here, and uh, creating more cap space would still be in order if they could, but we'll see if they can pull it off. Yeah, and that's where I kind of think, and we do see this some years, we talk about it most years, but that sort of secondary market of the first wave of free agency, we recognize that this is not a strong free agent crop, and if teams miss the boat, you know, all of a sudden does three years of cost certainty under $5 million on a guy like Connor Garland... You know, does that make him more interesting to a team? July tenth. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and yeah. so I don't rule that out entirely, but that's as you said, a little bit down the road, not in the next seven or eight days, as uh, we work our way through the draft and free in the first couple of days of free agency. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Jeff, thanks for this. We've got a busy week ahead, and you'll be joining us at some point later in the week. And of course, as always, as uh, Canucks news breaks. Thanks for this. All right, guys. Thank you. Garrison Price, and we've rescheduled S versus P for here on the Monday. I was away Friday, and of course, P versus P doesn't work. No, it doesn't have the same je ne sais quoi. Mm. Yeah. Plus, uh, you wouldn't want to put your unbeaten streak on line against Jeff. Well, that's just a friendly. I mean, just a friendly doesn't count. For the record, I don't view this segment as friendly. No, 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 not when you're here. No, very competitive. Yeah, want to win, and have yet to do so here. 
through five mm-hmm. weeks. Did get off the winless run, though. Got a tie last week or two weeks ago. Today's question, we are asking you, should the Canucks draft best player available or for organizational need? Of course, we mean in the first round here. I will be arguing on behalf of best player available. Blake will be arguing on behalf of organizational need. Two minutes per argument. Mediator Grady Sass presiding. And let's hope he's a little more neutral than the last time out. And a reminder to everybody who's going to vote here that we are asking you to vote on who made the better argument, not on what your preconceived beliefs are on the question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like American Idol. Yeah. Yeah. On the performance. Right. Yeah. And performance is an appropriate word here. All right. Who's going first? I'll go first. Oh, he wants to go first now. Okay. Ready Anchor legs easier, right? So I'm giving. Is give, it? I'm giving you, a, you know, the handicapper. So. Yeah, I don't know though. I, uh, I think sometimes making the uh, the case first. Oh, is strategic. But okay, you, you go ahead. Right. You know, I've gone first enough this year. All right. All right, Blake. Yep. In three, two, one. You have two minutes starting now. Uh, there's one rule and one rule only at the entry draft, right? Best player available. Absolutely. Except when you don't. Except when it's a draft so deep and so special that it's attracting comparisons to some of the two or three best drafts since the turn of the century. Except when you're an organization not only thick with wingers at the NHL level, but of the few prospects that you do have in your system that look promising, those two are winger-heavy. Think Hoaglander, Pod Colson, LeCaramacki, Klamovich, Carlson, and McDonough. Those are their best prospects. All wingers. The Canucks have two centers of note in their organization. Atu Ratu, who's on his second NHL team already, and Max Sasson, an older college free agent who'll be 23 in camp and have about one year to show if he's got it or not. And then on D, uh, a group of not long shots, but medium shots at best. Johansson, Pedersen, Hirose are interesting, but not blue chips by anyone's definition. A reminder here, for those scared of an Ole Ulevi moment, this is pick number 11, not fifth, as Ulevi was. At five, you have hopes of a very special player. A winger chosen at five would have high pedigree. That was a BPA situation. At 11, the field is far more open. The Canucks will have options. The defensemen are not a priority at this draft. It's conceivable they'll get a shot at the second-best defenseman available. There are centers of plenty, too. And all the while, likely not ignoring any obvious wingers that are expected to be generational players. This is the time to be choosy. Get a new number one prospect at center or a new number one prospect on the blue line. The time is now. Oh, God, it was good. In the nick of time, five minutes, five seconds to spare. Mm. Yeah. Okay, okay. Let me just uh, pull up the timer here. You need some help with that? Oh, I entered in my own passcode. Technical not the difficulties. Word yes. All right, Matt. You, you going to be okay to preside here? I think so. His robes are in knots. Uh, I was going to yeah. say, the guy can't even figure out a timer. All right, Matt. Enough yep. of you. Let's go. In three, two, one. 
All studies, model, statistical data point to best player available. As Blake conceded right off the top of his argument, one rule, one rule only, best player available. The Canucks are not so flush yet at winger that they can scoff at one when he's the top-ranked player on their board. The organizational needs may well change between now and when this player is NHL ready in a couple of years. Besser, Garland, heck, even Pudcoles and Hoaglander could well be elsewhere or have flamed out by the time this pick is ready to play in the NHL. Of course, you could always trade this winger to fill organizational read down, need down the road. That's why people subscribe to best player available. Look, I prefer sentiment of defense, but you don't want to dilute your talent pool by drafting for need. And drafting for need does do that. At its essence, it says we're giving up the best player available because we want to fill this specific need with no guarantees, of course, that the player is going to be good enough to fill those specific needs. Besides, Zach Benson may well be available at number 11. He's a local player who outscored as a U18, get this list, Matthew Savoy, Dylan Cousins, Evander Kane, Braden Shen, Sam Reinhardt, Jordan Eberle, Matt Barzell, and Connor Geeky, Peyton Krebs, only Connor Bedard has more points as a U18 in the last five years in the dub than Zach Benson. And here's the thing. He might be able to play center as well. Look, if you want to elevate defenseman centers, particularly the righties up the draft board, so be it. But you can do that and get the best of both worlds, best player of it available. And if you think there's a clear difference in your rating and it says take the winger, then take the winger and feel secure that you got the best player. Well, he came back around to... Hmm? Drafting a centerman and a defenseman there in your argument. So thanks for that. Well, I know. I appreciate you conceded. One rule, one rule only. All right. Now it's up to you folks to vote. And if you are consuming this on YouTube, we ask you to like, comment, subscribe, and of course, vote. We'll report the results. When are we reporting results? Later this week? I think on, uh, on draft day when we have some. Really? Yeah. That soon? Yeah. All right, we'll report the results Wednesday, Thursday this week. Secure some price from Wall Center. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips? It's going to be great. Yeah, it sure is. Errors and omissions from Friday's program. Or be even beyond that. I wasn't here, so you and Jeff were perfect as per usual, I imagine, right? Yeah. That's how it works. I think so. Yeah. Grady, anything from the inbox? Yes, actually. Oh. Um, Alex is taking issue with the fact that we omitted, uh, it was it was part of historical Canadian winners outside of hockey. Mm-hmm. Says, Respectfully, you guys forgot two Canadian team wins, Joe Carter's home run and Kawhi Leonard's buzzer beater. The athletes weren't Canadian, yeah. but the teams were, even so, if they're from Toronto. Right. So I believe we had a couple of conversations on this coming out of Nick Taylor's win at the RBC Open, so Alex might have missed it. Uh, we talked about great Canadian sporting moments on our soil and certainly mentioned the Carter home run the Kawhi Leonard jump shot, as well as things like Roger Bannister, John Landy, the Miracle yeah. Mile, Nadia Comaneci at the Olympics, the perfect score and things like that, but also had a separate conversations on achievements by Canadians on Canadian soil. Um, that was the true exercise in the wake of Taylor. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. 
because a Canadian winner of the Canadian Open yeah. had no happened in, in 70 years on the men's side of things. Of course, Brooke has won one recently on the ladies' side of things. All right, Bodog line of the daytime with Blake Price. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Who you like, what you got? Going back to that Canada-Guadalupe game, and there's some uh, peculiar anytime goal scorer props. <laughs> um, like Richie Larea is plus 600. Well, nobody's playing for the Canadians here. Like, this is a B squad, effectively. Yeah, so Richie Larea is one of the few first-teamers who's, uh, especially with Atacube and Eusakio now leaving, um, he's one of the few first-teamers that's on the squad. Him and Osorio are there. But Osorio's a plus 190. Larea's a plus 600. That's kind of intriguing. But let's concentrate on the white cap, shall we? Ali Ahmed, plus 280. Anytime ah, goal score. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to follow us and Rank Wide wherever you get your podcast. And please do support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.